Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And that makes us the minimalists, and we're here to answer your questions today. We're going to start off, I, I don't know how much time we have, so we're going to start with three questions. The first three people who ever want to come up and, and ask your question on this microphone, we'll be happy to answer them. Uh, the good news is uh, my favorite pedagogical technique is if I don't have an answer to your question, I will just ask a, or I'll answer a different question, so you can ask whatever you want. Just say your name and whatever your question is. All right, hi guys. Uh, my name is George, and uh, first of all, keep doing uh, the great work that you're doing. Keep spreading the word. Um, so I've got a multi-part question, and then maybe a shameless plug at the end. Uh, first of all, I mean Ryan, your your hair is definitely minimalist. Um, yours, Josh, I I don't know how you keep your products down. You know the uh, hair product. <laughs> I, I think you're lying to us on that. No, part. it's just a wig. <laughs> there you go. It's one of my 50 <laughs> items that I own. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, second, uh, I look at you guys, and, and what really stands out most is not the hair. Uh -huh. It's actually it the shoes. The shoes. Oh. Uh, so uh, where, where do you get those shoes? They, they're awesome. <laughs> they, were, uh, they were in the video as well. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, this is not a great answer, but eBay. I mean, I tend to buy a lot of used stuff, and uh, yeah, just eBay, man. You want to know about my 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 kind of shoes? Well, yeah, the, yeah. These are um, actually uh, Josh got these and tried them out and didn't like them. <laughs> and we have the same exact uh, foot size, believe it or not. Um, and like the way you get the, they're called zero shoes. It's spelled with an X. This is not an advertisement, by the way. Um, but uh, you you actually trace your foot out, fax it in, and then they make the shoe for you. So, I mean, literally, like, I have my Did left foot... Did you fax it in? Did I say fax? <laughs> <laughs> he, he had to buy a fax machine <laughs> from eBay. I, <laughs> you just outed yourself right there. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, but, yeah, like, you scan them and then email them and fax. That's so funny. Man, that, that makes... Dude, I am old, man. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, it just so happens, like, we both have, like, the same, like, our, my left foot is the smaller of the two, his is the same, but, yeah, I'm like, dude, I'll totally try this out, because I was wearing Toms for a while, um, but my feet sweat really bad, and, like, <laughs> these are really cool, because, like, I can, they can sweat as much as they want, they're out nice, but, no, I love them, man, they're, uh, they're really comfortable, I even run in them sometimes, they're great. So, I've got a question about the future, um, saw you guys, well, you, you wrote a book, I saw you when you were here for the book tour, now you have a documentary, Thanks. And uh, I'm here again. And uh, I'm really curious to know, what am I going to be at next? You know, what, what's, what's next for the minimalists? What's next? Yeah. The minimalists theme park. <laughs> There'll be one ride. <laughs> but it's a really awesome ride. Right. A very deliberate ride. <laughs> Yeah, we, so I'll tell you this, what I was talking about earlier about being busy, right, we're all very busy, I, I've gotten really good over the last six years or so 
at saying no. And I realized that for the longest time, the reason I was so busy was because I said yes to way too many things. And, and I was saying yes so much. You know, there, there's an old apathom that you know, if, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. Because the busy person tends to be the most sort of productive and they're willing to take just about everything on, right? For, for me, I've gotten good at saying no to a lot of the requests that, that we have so I can say yes to what's most important. And I'll give you an example. Ryan and I tend to focus on one thing a year. And everything else tends to lead to that thing or serves that thing in some way. So this year, 2016, it's the documentary. And then everything else that we're doing serves that in some way, whether it's the podcast, which lets more people know about it, but also adds value in a different way, whether it's this tour, which, which I mean, we don't necessarily have to do, but what we do, love to do is get out in front of people and interact with them, see what, you know, what they find value in. And so we will focus on one thing a year, and I don't look much farther than the next year. So we have a few ideas for 2017, uh, possibly a TV show, um, online, and, and some other things that I can't talk about just yet. But um, we have a few ideas. Whatever it is, we'll be really intentional about it, and everything else we do will we'll f- stay focused on that. My, my favorite quote it, I talked about a little bit in the movie is from Henry David Thoreau. He said, it's not enough to be busy. The question is, what are you busy about? And if I were to append that, I would say, what are you focused on? And for us, I mean, our very first book that we wrote was a book called Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. And we, in that book, we wrote about the, the five higher order values, health, relationships, uh, passion, growth, contribution. And, and I've learned that for me, if I'm ever feeling unfulfilled in life, it's because I'm not focused on one of those five areas. And so anything we do, anything we focus on needs to serve, needs to allow me to, to focus on those areas of my own life, but also contribute to the, to the greater good. Yeah, it's funny. We were just talking at dinner about this, actually. I'm like, man, when we get, I'll give you a little teaser of something we're getting ready to do. Um, when we get back, uh, we have a TEDx, another TEDx talk that we're working on. Um, has, has anyone seen the TEDx talk? Yep. Cool. The one with the boxes? So, yeah, so you know how like it was me talking the whole time and Josh is doing, so it's going to be like the obverse where he'll be doing most of the talking and then I'll be the, the one in the background. But uh, we've got that to kind of plan for and practice. Um, but yeah, uh, just to Josh's point, we, we do focus on, on one thing every year and uh, we do make sure that that is deliberate. We have you know, plenty of books, book ideas. We have, you know, this web series that we're talking about doing. We have our podcasts. So there's certainly a lot of options for us. Um, but yeah, we haven't necessarily like nailed down exactly what we're going to do for 2017. Cool. Um, last thing, I, I, I see a lot of faces here. And uh, I don't know if anybody, everybody knows this, but there is the minimalist local group. And uh, my buddy Charles back there, you wave Charles. Charles uh, leads the local group for you guys, so it's kind of a shameless plug for you. <laughs> so, so let's talk about, thank you for bringing that up, George. I appreciate it. I owe you a dollar. Um, <laughs> you know, we, in 2014, we, we went out on the road. We, we donated a year of our lives, basically. Um, it's really expensive to go out on the tour and, 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 and try to really spread something we believe in, not proselytize, not convert people to my same belief system, 
but just share something that I think other people can get some sort of value in, a recipe that a few people can tweeze ingredients from. And so we'd show up in a city uh, prior to the 2014 tour when we had much smaller tours, and, and people say, it's, you know, it's cool that you guys are here for a day, but now you're leaving. How can I connect with open-minded, like-minded people here locally? And I'd always say, I don't know. Okay, Cupid? Is that a thing? Like, I, I don't really know, and, and that's why in, in 2014 we set up a website called minimalist.org, and the 100 cities we went to over the course of 10 months in eight different countries, we basically just left behind a, a meetup group. We don't want anything from anyone. We don't ask for money or email addresses or anything like that, but if you're interested in connecting with open-minded, supportive people locally, I think it's a, a great place to start, and it's not just about decluttering or minimalism. It can be about careers or relationships or or whatever just having area. A beer. What's that? Just having a beer sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's just talking and, and getting to know someone and uh, finding out how you can support them as well. I mean, every good relationship is, is I'm going to get something from it, but I'm also going to give to it. And I've learned that. Uh, it's probably the biggest thing I've learned over the last six years is uh, a lesson my friend taught me a long time ago. You can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. And what I mean by that is you can't, you, you can't try to change someone in your life. I'm going to make you be like this. How can I make my husband, daughter, wife, spouse, whoever, be a minimalist? Well, you can't change the person. But you can surround yourself with supportive people that help you change into the best version of yourself. And often when you do that, the people in your life that you initially wanted to change, those people, they come into the fold with you because they see the benefits. They see the why, not the how. And so I found that surrounding myself with supportive people was one of the best things I could do to live a better life and to be the best version of myself. So yeah, if you're interested, the uh, uh, I'm sure uh, you can you can connect here, but you can also go to minimalist.org and uh, and find the the meetup group there. And they uh, post stuff online as well, so articles, tips, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's definitely great for the uh, Miami crowd. And I'm from up north, from Fort Lauderdale, so we just recently started the uh, Broward minimalist movement. I started awesome. that. I, so nice. If you're up in Broward and don't want to drive all the way down here, you know, please come up and join us. Join the, uh, you can find it on Facebook, Broward Minimalist Movement. And uh, if not, you know, we, we also come down and, and join Charles, and we do stuff together, so it's great. Awesome. That's right. beautiful. Thanks, Thanks George. Thank you. Appreciate it, brother. Howdy. Hi. My name is Dory, um, way before the blue fish. And um, I'd like to say hi to my favorite minimalist, uh, Lindsay and Dan. They gave up everything, and they're in uh, Big William, a, a um, RV thing. And um, I, you led into what I wanted to ask about. It was about sharing the message. And I understand I can share websites and, and links and, um, and your film and things like that. But... I know the best way is to be the example. But before I get to that end point, um, I've tried to share messages before, you know, from recycling to volunteering to voting, whatever it might be. And there's kind of a shutdown where they don't want to hear that. And you guys have explained it many ways, but do you have another way for me to share this message? 
I think so. So, so I'll, first off, I would discourage anyone from jumping up and saying, look at me, I'm a minimalist. I mean, can you imagine if, it, flashback, the screen gets fuzzy here, and it's 2009, and um, I've got my tie on, and I'm chubby. And, uh, and I say, hey, Ryan, I'm a minimalist, and you should be too, because you've got a lot of crap. How do you think you would have reacted to that? Yeah, I, I definitely would not have been as open to, 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 to what you had to say. Yeah, well, because I, I would have felt judged. I would have felt like, what do you mean I got a lot? Of course I got a lot of crap. Look how much money I make. Yeah, why wouldn't I have a lot of crap? I mean, that's probably how I would have reacted. Right, and, and so instead of me going out trying to sell this idea... Eventually, it's when Ryan came to me. It was eight months after I'd simplified my life or been simplifying my life. I hadn't reached an end point. That, that, that was a word you used there. Before I reached this end point, I still haven't reached an end point, and that feels good to realize that I'm never going to get there. And, and so Ryan came to me one day and said, why the hell are you so happy? And it's because he saw the benefits. So my mom had died. My marriage had ended. But... And I was still working in the corporate world 70, 80 hours a week, but something had changed. I, it's not that I was happy relative to what I am now. I'm, I'm far happier now. But I had stopped chasing happiness. I realized that happiness isn't the point. And the more we chase happiness, the farther away we're going to get from it. See, what the point of all of this was, it was living a more meaningful life and, and defining what that means. See, when I was successful in a very narrow sense. I was successful monetarily, and I had a, a job title that may have impressed a few dozen people. But, but the truth is, I wasn't successful in the, the broader sense. And, and so by, by changing my definition of success, I was no longer chasing the happiness through the next paycheck, the next promotion, the next purchase. I, I was able to learn that, that a meaningful life would make me happy. Happiness was simply a byproduct of, of living in accordance with my values. And, and to, to get there, I had to figure out what my values were. I was focused on the wrong stuff. I wasn't focused on what was important to me. I didn't even know what was important anymore. I got to that point where it's like, okay, happiness is right around the bend. And then you get around the bend, right around the corner, and there's another corner. And you're like, oh, it's going to be around that corner. And then you never get there. And it's like, well, wait a minute. What am I focused on? I need to stop trying to worry about being happy and start worrying about what is important in my life. And so I say, yeah, yes, set that example. But I'll also say this about, about the documentary. The, the reason that we, we really wanted to make this film is what I said earlier during the intro is we wanted to find a way to make minimalism more accessible because it has for a while been you know, the Josh and Ryan show and we've, we've shown a bunch of other minimalists in other ways that we could, but this was the way for us to say, look at all these other recipes. You have Leo Babalta in there with six kids and he puts us to shame. He washes his, his t-shirts in the sink still and that wasn't the lifestyle I wanted to live, but I admired that. You also had Colin Wright in there. He travels to a new country every four months. 
Again, not a life I wanted to live, but I admired that it allowed him to pursue what was important to him. And so I think the documentary is, will be a great thing to share with people. Uh, but ultimately, you're right, the best way to show the change is to show the change. Yeah, I, I, uh, I just want to speak to this point of proselytizing. I was a Jehovah's Witness for like 24 years, knocking on doors for 24 years. You know how, how many people I converted? Zero. <laughs> now one. And uh, with this journey of minimalism, I haven't knocked on one person's door. I have never forwarded or like sent someone an essay I've written and said, you've got to read this because you, this would help you. Um, we simply started a website and told our story with no expectation, and uh, people found value in it. And, and ultimately, I would, I would you know, encourage you to kind of transfer that to, to, to uh, your life, meaning you know, if you see someone who is complaining about, oh, man, you know, I've got way too much stuff. I don't know how to declutter. I, ho I hold on to all this just-in-case stuff, for example. You might say, oh, you know, the minimalists, they, they wrote an essay about just-in-case stuff. You might like it. I mean, something that speaks to something that they're already calling out that they have a problem with. Um, but, but yeah, certainly, you know, if you have a friend who you feel like is a hoarder and you send them our website, they, I mean, they might very well take offense to that. Like, who are you to tell me I got too much stuff? So I, I would look for little opportunities like that, but, but ultimately it is, it is living by example. Um, when I saw Josh, you know, like he moved, him and his wife split up and I'm helping him move into his new apartment and he's got this like nice TV bracket on the wall that came with the apartment. And like the first thing I thought was like, oh, I wonder how big of a TV he's going to get. This is like a big thing between us. We were always like, hey, look at my TV. No, look at my TV. Look at my three TVs. And uh, six months went by, or a couple months went by, and I'm like, you know, over to his apartment, are you going to get a TV? Oh, I may or may not. Six months goes by, still no TV. I noticed how he was acting different at work. Um, he started setting expectations with our boss, like, hey, um, I'm going to be available from 7 a.m. until 8 p.m., and that's it. And that, that's a lot of hours to give you, and, uh, which was like sacrilegious uh, where we were working at. We, we were on call like doctors, except we worked in retail. <laughs> we weren't saving anybody. We couldn't even save ourselves. Yeah, so when I saw those things, that's what really made me say, okay, Josh is doing something that is, is making him not just happier, but I saw him regaining control of his time and, and, and really doing good things with his focus, and that's what made me go to him and be like, dude, what's going on with you? Why the hell are you so happy lately? So keep up the good work, and that's, that's what we can encourage you to do. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What am I supposed to say when I give you? Say your name and okay. whatever your question is. <laughs> Quint, my name is Quentin. I'm from Miami. And I didn't even realize you had shoes on. <laughs> I thought you were barefooted the whole time. <laughs> so uh, so you, you guys sort of alluded to, to, the, to some of the answers to my question uh, prior to me getting up here with the gentleman and the young lady that just left. But my question was, uh, I live with a maximalist wife <laughs> and, and three maximalist children. And, and, and you know, so I, I, can't uh, I can change it, but I don't, I don't want to. I love my children. I love my wife. So, <laughs> so, so that's, not an, that's not an option for me. But you, you sort of alluded, it, alluded to it, but maybe if you can expand on it a little bit. How, 
you know, uh, I, I, I tried the, the blunt force trauma method. <laughs> and <laughs> You just like got rid of their stuff without telling them? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> well, well, actually it worked until like, because we have so much stuff that, that the kids didn't even notice the stuff was missing. Yeah. <laughs> And, and my wife has so much clothes, uh, literally, she didn't notice the stuff was missing. She has a, <laughs> she, she has a drawer. She has a, what do, you, what do you call those things? A dresser, I think it's called? So she has a dresser with, she, she, uh, I went through and I counted them one time. Uh, I, I think it was about 2,000 tops that she has. So I got rid of about... How many? I think it was about 2,000. Oh, wow. But then I just started guessing. I, I, I said, okay, it's this thick. It must be about... <laughs> so it's not an accurate count, but, but roughly 2,000. So I, I got rid of uh, some stuff, and she didn't even know I got rid of it. And then, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I, I did the Jehovah Witness thing. <laughs> so I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching these videos, I, I, uh, you know... And she, she, she's just totally not, not into it at all. And, and, and she didn't even want to come tonight. She's like, no, I'm not coming. <laughs> so, 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 so I guess my question is, you know, how, how do you... Yeah, yeah, I need help. <laughs> yeah. Man, you know, you love your wife, you love your kids, man. I mean, really, ultimately, all you can do is support them, man. I mean... It, telling them that they're wrong or forcing our books or essays on them or, or this movie on them, it's going to have an obverse effect. I mean, think about like if, if you're talking to someone about their religion and, and you're very clear on like why their, you know, their, their religion is, is not correct or their political view or, you know, insert, you know, um, high tense subject there. Um, when you, when you, when I know when I used to get combative with people over that, those types of things, um, or they would get combative with me. It just made me hold on to my beliefs even more. And, and, and the same thing if I was, you know, being combative with someone else. It, it just kind of strengthens the way that they feel. So the only way to kind of move them along, which what I've seen, like, like with my mom, for example, um, you know, she, uh, <laughs> she called me up like a month after the, we had launched the website, and she's like, hey, son, how you doing? I'm like, I'm good, mom, how are you doing? She's like, I'm great. What's this minimalist crap? <laughs> I was like, oh, you found the website. Like, we hadn't told anyone. She was Googling my name. She must have been and found it. And she's like, what does this mean? Like, what, are you depressed? <laughs> are, you, are you not going to be around for holidays anymore? Can I buy you stuff? Like, can I still buy you gifts? Remember she asked you if you're, gonna, if you're, be, if you're becoming a monk? Yeah, <laughs> yeah she... Uh, she didn't really know what to make of it. So I'm like, yes, mom, I am depressed, actually. Um, and I'm really trying to change that. I'm trying to get out of this rut, and I'm trying to live my life differently to get out of this rut. Um, and mom, I will totally be around for holidays. In fact, I hope to be around more than just holidays, because that's about all, all I ever saw her was during holidays, Mother's Day, birthday, like just, just those important days. And she lived a half hour away from me. Like I, I knew I should have been seeing her more, but I was so busy. Um, that I, I just, I, I put that off. And I'm like, no, I really hope I can be around more. Um, and I really hope that I can uh, really develop a better relationship with you. And I said, but yeah, when it comes to buying me gifts, I, I would appreciate it if you wouldn't get me anything. Um, I, uh, I, I really am trying to be deliberate with the, the physical possessions that I'm bringing into my life. And, and, and yeah, please don't buy me anything. 
She was like, well, I'm really proud of you. That's great. Glad, glad you're changing your life. But I'm your mother, and I'm still going to buy you stuff. <laughs> and I suppose she has the right to say that as my mom. Um, I, I was like, well, I was kind of taken back. Like, that did not go how I expected. <laughs> um, I was like, well, mom, to be honest with you, if you get me something and I can't use it, I'm, I'm going to have to find a friend to give it to, or I'm going to have to donate it. I'm, I'm going to have to get rid of it. That is not the thing to say to your mom, by the way. <laughs> Um, and she got, she got pretty defensive, and we were kind of going back and forth. And uh, eventually, um, I just kind of stopped her. I'm like, Mom, you know, I, I just love you so much. You love me, right? She's like, of course I love you, son. And I'm like, I want you to be happy. I really want you to be happy. You want me to be happy too, right? She's like, yeah, of course I want you to be happy. I'm like, well, Mom, if that's the case, like, all I need is your support. I don't need you to have a packing party. I don't need you to uh, become a minimalist. I'm not going to come to your home and judge all of the things that you have in your house. You don't have to clean your house before I get over there because you think I'm going to you know, cast some kind of judgment on, on, on your, how your home is organized. I was like, this is about me, and all I need is your support. And that's, that's really what kind of got to her heart and, and really made her um, kind of at least understand where I was coming from. And... Uh, she, she, she came out to visit my girlfriend and I um, in Montana last February. It was the first time she had come out to Montana. And uh, <laughs> like we pick her up at the airport. Um, we get back to our place. She opens up her suitcase. And like the first thing she does is pull out like this owl vase and like a couple candle holders. And like, all I could think was like, oh, shit, man. I got to make a trip to, the, to Goodwill or something now. <laughs> Like, but I'm not, I wasn't going to be rude to her, right? Like, I was totally not going to uh, uh, be angry at her for, for getting me these gifts. Before I could even really, like, process all that, she was like, hey, you know, I just want to let you know that you're really doing an amazing job with your life, and I am so proud of you, and I'm so happy to be out here in Montana, and I know you guys just moved in a couple months ago, and I just really wanted to get you these items to show you how much I appreciated you and, and to show you... Um, uh, how much how much I love you, and I totally understand if these items don't fit in your home. And she was like, "If you need to give them away or you need, you need to donate them, that's totally okay with me." Um, but but I just wanted to show you my token of appreciation. It took her four years to get to that point, and and ultimately uh, it was it was living by example, and it was constantly encouraging her. And I mean. You know, especially when you call yourselves the minimalists, like everything's steeped in irony, <laughs> and you become the butt of a lot of jokes. So when I would go and, and you know, hang out at family events, you know, they're always like giving me a hard time about stuff, and I never like got defensive or anything. It was just kind of, I, I understood that they were really kind of projecting this judgment that they thought I was casting on them. Um, but but not only her, but my friends and some uh, some of my other family members have totally come around full circle to. You know, what are you doing? You're crazy to, wow, I can't believe what you've done over the last four years and the changes that you've made and the different person that you are. And uh, all I did was, was ask for some support, and all I did was support the people I loved. And, and that's really, I, I think, what, what, what I could encourage you to do with your family. And I think if there, there was a magical answer, it, it, uh, I certainly haven't found it yet. But I can tell you this. Uh, there are a few things I've learned is don't try to prove other people wrong, especially the people that, that you care about, which is really hard for me because I am right all the time. <laughs> and so when other people aren't right, 
They think you're joking. (laughs) (laughs) And I find this with my partner, Becca. You know, she thinks she's right all the time. And she's pretty confident about it. And, And what I've realized is that my first reaction is to say my way of, of living, of, of thought process, whatever, is the right way. And often there are several right ways. And, and what I've learned is that the people closest to me, we tend to have similar values, but we often have radically different beliefs. So the value is sort of the destination. The, the, the value is where you're going. The belief is the path of how you're going to get there. If you look at me and Ryan, we have nearly identical values, and we have appreciably different beliefs. We don't believe the same things about religion. We don't believe, certainly don't believe the same things about politics. That's why we're not going to be talking about that at all tonight. Uh, and and we, we don't have the same personalities either. I mean, if you put us on a Myers-Briggs test, we're uh, exact opposites. He is an extrovert, extreme extrovert. I am an extreme introvert. He is ADD, I'm OCD. But it works out well because we have similar values. And my guess is your marriage works really well because you have the same values. You have these different belief templates on how you're going to get there, though. And, and what I can tell you is there are some resources I'll point you toward because it's not an easy answer. So a, a few things. One is Patrick Roan, who was in here um, he, he, in the documentary. He, uh, he wrote a book called Enough. But... Um, he writes a lot about his relationship, and his, he's in a very similar situation as you. He's, he is an ultra-minimalist himself, but his wife and, and their daughter, not so much. We went to go film them in, uh, in Minnesota, and he's like constantly moving stuff out of the way. That's not mine. That's not mine. This isn't mine. And he and I had this great conversation. So the first thing I'd love to do is afterward, we'll, we'll have some books out here. I'd love to give you a copy of one of our books. It's called Essential. And there's an essay in there uh, about understanding other people. And it was based on a conversation I had with Patrick uh, when we were filming this. And, and basically, I realized there are these four stages of getting to understand people who are closest to us. And I'll just walk through those really quickly. Uh, but the, the first one, is, and there's an acronym for it too, TARA, T-A-R-A. Uh, the first step is tolerance, being able to tolerate that person, right, so that you're not going in and, and trying to get rid of their stuff, because I can identify with you, because that's the first thing I would want to do. I identify the problem, and I'm going to solve it immediately. And by the way, it's so much easier to get rid of other people's stuff. <laughs> it, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so when Ryan had his, his packing party, when he was getting rid of his stuff, he was boxing it all up. After the 21-day experiment that he did where he got rid of everything, and he was trying to figure out, oh, there are some things I'm going to hold on to afterward, he had me come over, and I'm just like, I've got trash bags. I'm sweeping stuff into it. Like, this is gone, donated, gone. He's like, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm going to need that just in case. And that's because it's much easier for us to get rid of other people's stuff. But the truth is that, especially if, if, if it's their things and they have some sort of attachment to it for whatever reason, they've associated a meaning to the thing, well, we have to be able to tolerate that first. Now, I'll tell you this. Tolerance is a weak virtue, and it will not strengthen your relationship long term, but it's a first step, and it's a decent first step. So if you just tolerate someone, you, eventually over time you're going to feel some sort of... Uh, 
anxiety in the situation or worse. And so tolerance is a good first step, tolerating whatever the behavior is, unless it's a bad behavior. If someone's doing something that's harmful to themselves or others, like literally harmful, then that, that's different, right? Um, but being able to tolerate the behavior is the first step. And, and then we go from there to acceptance. So accepting them for who they are quirks and all. It doesn't mean they won't change over time, and you, can't, you can still show them the better way of living through your perspective, but accepting that, man, it's difficult. Accepting the person for who they are. And, and the next step is the R, which is respect. So we take this huge leap from tolerance, tolerating the behavior to, okay, I can finally accept this. I'm not just putting up with it. This is how it is right now. Now, it's always now. No matter when it is, there is only now. And it can change in the future, but I'm going to accept it in the now. And then what I learned from Patrick and his wife is he respects what his wife brings. She's a collector of things. By the way, if you look up collect in a thesaurus, uh, the first definition next to it is hoard. <laughs> This is, this is not my definition, this is your dictionary. So, so collecting, to me, is hoarding. But to other people, it, they find it meaningful. They find value in it, right? And so being able to accept that, okay, just because I don't find value in it doesn't mean that someone else won't. Okay, I can accept that, oh, they f actually find value in it. They do enjoy this for some reason. I can respect that. And the last step, which is almost like transcendence, it's really hard to get to because it's somewhere far away from where we are typically, is appreciation. Being able to appreciate that person for who they are, including that thing that we see as a flaw. And, and over time, by displaying the positive benefits of simplifying, and I hesitate to use the word minimalism because sometimes it can have you know, a negative connotation to someone like that. For, for people who want to make a change, they, they hear minimalism and they're like, yeah, I want to do that. But for people who, who are defensive, you know, maybe it's just about being intentional with what we bring into our lives. And so intentionalism might be the, the better word for some of those people. And, and so if you're able to truly appreciate where they are, I think you can grow together. And so I'll give you uh, that book, but because but, I don't want to feel like I'm selling you a book, so I'm going <laughs> to give it to you afterward. But I would also recommend uh, two other resources. One, if you go to theminimalists.com slash children, there's an essay there and a book. The essay is by Leo Babalta, who is in the film. And he, uh, we, we asked him to write this essay. It's called No Excuses, Minimalism with Six Kids. And all six of his kids and his wife, Eva, have radically different personalities, and they make it work. And uh, the other, uh, the book that I'm going to recommend is a book called Clutter Free with Kids, which you saw Joshua Becker in, in the film. And he just had a new book come out this week, which I really like. There's a bunch of other recipes for minimalism in book form. It's called The More of Less. So I would recommend those, and, and reading those will give you a better, it's your homework, it's not, not your, your wife's homework, but it's your homework. And I think they'll give you a better perspective, and it will allow you to change over time, and, and you'll find people following, at least in your direction. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. Let's do, uh, we're going to do one more before, uh, before we close it out here. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Hi. Howdy. How are you? I'm Karen. Hey, Karen. I'm a Florida native. 
And I have to say, you guys are an inspiration um, as a lifelong consumer myself and busy person. It's hard. Like, it's really hard. So I recently got married, and my husband moved in to where I was living. So we have two of everything. So we're trying to curate everything and, you know, pick the best one. We don't need 28 spoons, right? So we'll get rid of half of them. But, I mean, the people at Goodwill know me now. Like, I drop off stuff. They're like, hi, how are you? But I just, it's like I, I'm not making a dent. Like, I just, I feel like I have so much stuff. Like, maybe I am a hoarder. But I feel like it's not... Like, it's very hard. And you see the benefits of relationship and even, you know, your impact on the environment and your health and all of that. So it's great stuff. But it's like getting there. I know it's not an end point, but even feeling the progress, I think, is a challenge. Do you have any... Uh, so so what, what types of things in particular are a challenge? You, I mean, you mentioned the 28 spoons and... and <laughs> Is there paper clutter? Is there photographs? I mean, I, I... photographs, books. Uh -huh. My husband has, I think, 500 DVDs um, and CDs. He's a music fan, which is wonderful. He had all the CD cases, like all of them, in the plastic thing. Mm -hmm. I convinced him to keep the CDs, but put them in just one of those books. I won that battle. That was great. So now I'm working on the. It's just so much things. Like, there's nothing wrong with them because yeah, we can watch a movie whenever we want. And he has very varied music taste, but it's just so much stuff and, and books and just a lot of things. And you feel like you can't like get out from under it. Like I literally probably go every two weeks and donate stuff. I wanted to have a garage sale, but I was like, there's no, I just can't. Like I can't, there's just too much things, you know? So I just donate it all. It's a great uh, book title. There's too much things. <laughs> That it's true. My, uh, last year I became a parent by proxy, and um, my uh, partner's two-and-a-half-year-old has a Twitter account, and um, she tweets things like, there's too much things all the time now. Um, you know, I'm going to give you a few sort of practical tips, uh, but I'll also say, I'll also challenge you to question the value of the things that you're holding on to. I mean, I don't know how one even plays a CD anymore. Uh, when, when I was going through my, my stuff, I found a horde of VHS tapes. And there's a reason people don't laugh, because they all have them. <laughs> and it's OK. I'm not judging. I'm simply identifying with you. I, you know, the average American household has 300,000 items. I had more than that. and and. I was an organized hoarder, though, right? Because I had an ordinal system of bins and boxes, and, and, and I was able to hide my clutter by organizing. And so I, I think that organizing is a dangerous word when, when we, uh, we misunderstand it. I, I think the professional organizers understand it well. When, when there's a professional organizer, they help you actually get rid of your stuff, because the best way to organize your stuff is to get rid of most of it. Right, and so, so what, where you are right now is you've merged homes. Congratulations on, on the marriage, by the way. And congratulations on, on getting that step together. Yeah, it's okay to clap. <laughs> and, and so now you're, you're actually at a really good point because it sounds like you're both on the same page in terms of we both want to get to a more simplified version of where we are. And that may look different, slightly different for both of you, and I think that's okay. 
so a few things for you to try because you have a lot of stuff and it's kind of hard to know where to get started because you're like, is it DVDs, is it books, is it spoons? And, and I would recommend something called the 30-day minimalism game. Are you familiar with that? We just yeah. started it. Okay, you just started it. Okay, beautiful. Day six. Day six. Okay, so it starts out really easy, right? Because, uh, so for those of you who don't know what the 30-day minimalism game is, you can find the details of it at, at theminimalists.com slash game. But we've literally had tens of thousands of people play it. Uh, there's a hashtag. You can look at a bunch of people's photos online and stuff. And... Um, Basically, it works out, you, you, you just grab a, a friend or a family member or a co-worker, someone who else who wants to simplify their, their life, and you start at the beginning of a month. So the first day of the month, you each get rid of one item. Second day of the month, two items. Third day of the month, three items. Starts out really easy. It gets you that momentum you need to get started and to keep going. But by mid-month, it's much more difficult. By day 15, you're like, okay, 15 items. Day 16, oh, 16 items. Day 25, 25 items. Day 26, 26 items. And, and all of a sudden, it, it's, it's more difficult. Now, whoever goes the farthest wins. If you both make it to the end of the month, you both won because you've both gotten rid of about 500 items, which usually puts a big dent and, and gives you that inertia at that point because you've asked that question so many times. Does this add value to my life? Does this add value? Why do I have so many spoons? What are all these doilies? Are these your doilies or my doilies? And, and, and you're at a point where you're like, okay, I can let go of this. And then you start asking questions. How is this the best way for me to own this? Because we're moving from a, a culture of ownership to a culture of access. No longer do I have to have the 2,000 CDs that I once had. They're in my pocket now. No longer do I have to have the 500 or so DVDs that I had. They're on Netflix, right? And, and, or wherever I, I want to get movies. And, and I no longer need to own the physical artifact in order to have access to the things that I enjoy. And so the next question would be, after you, you're playing the minimalism game, you think it's fun and you're enjoying letting go, because I think decluttering is kind of boring. That's why we came up with the game, to make it a little bit more fun with friendly competition. But, but you'll start asking other questions, too. What do I have access to? And, and then it gets easier. And once you realize that if I let go of this, it's okay. I'm not going to miss it. The memories aren't in the things. The memories are in us. And these things, they're weighing me down. They're anchors. They're in the way. You get the excess out of the way. You start to realize that the things you're holding on to, they do add value to your life. And you start enjoying the things you own a lot more. And that's the paradox of minimalism. As a minimalist, everything I own serves a purpose or it brings me joy. And everything else is out of the way. So, so whether it's my, my clothes or my car or my kitchenware, it all has a function or I really enjoy having it, like a piece of artwork. And, and the other stuff, I, I no longer attach meaning to the things. And so uh, a couple of basic rules that, that Ryan and I have set up, uh, 2020 rule, some of you may know about this, that we call it the just-in-case rule. Uh, Ryan and I found that we were holding on to a lot of stuff just in case I needed it someday in some non-existent hypothetical future. And this rule let me let go of thousands, if not tens of thousands of just in case items. All those things in the junk drawers and, and the, the big oversized orange sweatshirt with tassels that I was going to wear one day. You know, whatever it may be, these things that I was going to wear, even though I didn't love, I let go of it. I wasn't going to hold on to it anymore just in case. 
And, and the 2020 rule for that is anything I, I let go of just in case, I can get it back less than $20, less than 20 minutes from where I am. Let me tell you, that rule has worked for us 100% of the time. Now you might say, well, yeah, but I want to spend hundreds of dollars replacing my stuff. That's crazy. It's wasteful. Between the two of us, we've written about this. Over the last five years, we've had to use that rule five times between the two of us. So $100, that's 50 bucks each. That's $10 a year. It's less than a dollar a month. Allows me to, that sounds like a, an infomercial. <laughs> For less than a dollar a month, you too can help a starving minimalist. <laughs> No, less than a dollar a month, it's let me let go of tens of thousands of items that are no longer in the way for me. So 2020 rule is a nice one. Uh, and, and, and then the 9090 uh, rule is one that helped me let go of a lot of, of things that I'm like, have I used this in the last 90 days? Am I going to use it in the next 90 days? And be honest with yourself about that, right? Because if I haven't used it in the last 90 and I'm not going to use it in the next 90, that accounts for seasonality. Uh, when, I, when I went to uh, my mother's house after she passed, uh, I was going through all her stuff, and there was a lot of excess stuff, but I found 14 winter coats in her, in her bedroom closet. 14. Now, she lived in St. Pete Beach. <laughs> she didn't need 14 winter coats. Some of them still had the tags on them. And, and I realized that she was holding on to a lot of those things just in case. And that 90-90 rule would have certainly helped out a lot. And so have you used it in the last 90 days? Are you going to use it in the next 90? And the last thing I recommend is experiment a lot. Experiment with things that you think you need and temporarily deprive yourself of those things. Uh, I'll do these little stoical experiments from time to time where uh, I got rid of the Internet for a month at home. No Internet at home. So I had to go somewhere to get on the Internet. It was the most productive month of my life. Because it was no longer lost in the Bermuda Triangle of Facebook and YouTube and Instagram or whatever. And I never got it back. That was five years ago. Now, I'm not prescribing that to you. I'm not saying you should get rid of your internet at home. What I'm saying is be willing to be uncomfortable for a bit to see if something really adds value to your life or not. I got rid of my cell phone for two months. And I realized I was depriving myself of it. But I could also bring it back into my life and use it in a different way. No longer do I have Facebook or email on my phone but I have it in my life to send text messages or to get music or directions or podcasts or maybe even make a phone call. And so I realize you can use these things differently as well. So be willing to experiment. Uh, I'll also give you a copy of Everything That Remains afterward because I wrote about a bunch of little experiments I did in, in the eighth chapter of, of that book. I think you'll find some value in some of those experiments. Uh, one thing you said that really stood out to me was you said it's really hard. And I think it's too often we confuse simple with easy. Simple is not easy. I, I think it's easy to hoard. I think it's easier to go out and buy stuff. I, I think it's um, easier to not live that simple life. So um, I, I would say that, yes, it is going to take a lot of effort. But I think you're doing a great job. I mean, if you're going to Goodwill every two weeks and you're playing, and you're playing the men's game um, and, and getting rid of stuff on a regular basis, it may not feel like you're making a dent, but if you continue to do that stuff, I promise you, it may take a year, it may take two years, but if you continue to incorporate those habits into your life, I promise you, one day you will look at your home and go, oh my God, where did all this stuff go? And uh, just keep up the good work. Don't be too hard on yourself. I mean, if you really want to like just get rid of everything and, and you know, do it in a month, you could always do the packing party like I did and pack everything up. 
but it sounds like that's that's a little bit too extreme for you. Um, you might you might want to start maybe start in one room or start in like a you know the the bathroom closet maybe just start with a packing party there, and and just kind of take it in in in, in bite sizes. But honestly, it sounds like you're doing exactly what you need to be doing. You're asking the right questions. You're taking a lot of action. Just keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. All right, yes, sir. One last question here. I don't know if this is a question, but uh, more of a confession. Um, oh, I'll set up the booth. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and I'm a minimalist. Um, my name is Jolti, and I'm a product designer. <laughs> so it's coming from the opposite end of the spectrum, and my girlfriend kind of sort of surprised me on this um, event. So um, <laughs> I'm the one that's probably one of the causes of some of these issues that people are having and throughout my career and my journey throughout my product design journey of 15 years it really has given me the opportunity to look inward and really understand why these things are manifesting and throughout my career I've been just downsizing myself and realizing you really don't need the beautiful spoon I mean it, industrial design is intended for purpose and it has a essence of utilitarianism and the, to correct the problem that people are having but at the same time people start focusing on more on the beauty and the, the want and the con, kind of like to attain more things so my question is is that um, are you guys planning on um, possibly infiltrating industrial design schools of any sort and uh, <laughs> Maybe that might be a good perspective for, for our industrial designers to think about as they are going through um, using less, less waste, uh, reusables, and things like that. As, as it is a, a major topic, but um, what are you guys proposing maybe in the future? If somebody asks, what are you guys doing in the future? And I'm just kind of like opening that up for you guys. You know, so. You say you're, you might be part of the problem. I, I can say I certainly was. So at, at the zenith of my, my corporate career, I was the director for 150 retail stores. Which oh, we, should, I, we should talk then. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, I know is really ironic with the whole minimalism yeah. thing and retail. And, right. but, but the truth is that, that, yes, that wasn't necessarily in line with my values as a person. I'm not saying there's anything inherently wrong with a retail store, especially a well-done uh, brick-and-mortar shop. Ryan and I recently, uh, earlier this year, back in January, we opened a coffee shop with uh, some friends of ours up in St. Petersburg, Florida, called Bandit Coffee. And, and that was a very deliberate uh, decision. And, and it was a place to create a spot for community there where there was sort of a void. And, and also to educate people on coffee, but also do so in a very responsible way. So it sounds to me like what you're talking about is, is responsible design. Right, right. And, and I think what needs to happen, because I think aesthetics are important for several reasons. Uh, one is, is you know, beauty is part of the joy of life. But you're right. I, I think that, that the form does need to follow functionality. And we get caught up in this trap of, of going after the form and losing function or caring less about the function. Absolutely, that's, that's the whole, um, that's the basis of all of it, is that we start focusing more on the beauty and then forgetting what we're really, what that phone is supposed to be doing or whatever that piece of furniture is supposed to be doing. You're supposed to sit on it, but right. you know, 
you lose the whole essence of what it's supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great idea to, to bring that to, to the forefront of design. I think there are a lot of people out here there that are doing it now. The, the question is, how, how can you do it on, on a grand scale? I, I think we, we tend to vote with our wallets, and, and buying high-end goods is okay if two things happen. One, I can afford it, and B, it's going to add value in some way. Now, when I mean afford it, I don't mean just financially afford something. I mean, is this the right decision for the environment? Can I afford the space? Can I afford the attention? Can I afford what this is going to bring to my life and also what it's going to do to the world around me? It's not just about me, but the affording piece is, is uh, expansive piece. The other side of that is, is, is it going to add value? Is this the best use of, of, of this resource? And I find now, quite often what I'll do is I buy things used and even higher end things used. I mean, you, you saw Juliet Shore in here talk about uh, clothing and how clothing now costs less than rice and beans per pound. High end, gently used clothing you know, that, that you would spend, normally spend hundreds of dollars for, you know, whatever, the new Kanye West t-shirt or something. You, you you, you now can buy you know, the, the functional equivalent to that for less than you can buy food, and it's backwards. And, and so I found the way to break that cycle is you can buy a lot of things used. You can buy high-end things used. You can repurpose things. Now, whether or not we can bring that to, to design schools or, or, or whatever, I don't know. I think it's a phenomenal idea, and, and I certainly would put that on the bank of things I would consider focusing on because I think it's meaningful. It's a blog idea for you, man. <laughs> Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, seriously. Thank you. I, I really did appreciate you, know, you guys going out and really preaching this new concept. I guess for me, it's uh, not very new because I've seen the progression of where everyone is going, and it, this is chaotic when you're just consuming for the purpose of consuming. I, I guess it goes back to inherent uh, hunting and gathering, you know, yeah. and we're just gathering things for the purpose of gathering. So, yeah, thanks thank a lot. You. Thank you. So afterward, we'll, we'll be out here. Um, we'll form a line here. But before you do that, I want to thank some folks. If, if you want to grab a hug afterward, as you saw, they are available. And um, we encourage you to pass them on. So we'll form a line that way out there, and we're going to like go around, and we'll be out in the lobby. Uh, we also have some books out there. If you uh, purchase a book tonight, 100% of the proceeds go to our favorite charity. It's the uh, Josh and Ryan Gas Fund to get to Dallas. <laughs> they do great work. No, seriously, um, if you didn't bring a wallet or you can't afford a book or whatever, don't worry, it's on us. You, you, you can take a book if you'd like or you can pay whatever you want. That, that's really our model. You pay whatever you want or you can just take a book. We're happy to give you one. Um, and, and I want to thank a few people. Sean is around here somewhere. So we have a guy named Sean Harding who is, is he here? There he is. He, he is sort of everything behind The Minimalist. He, does, he produces our podcast. He is our road manager, our tour manager. He edits our books. He does everything for the minimalist. He is the hardest working man in minimalism. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give him a round of applause.
want to give a quick... Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, being backstage, I want to give a quick thank you to the folks here at the, at the Kobeck Center Theater. Um, Will, up there in the booth, who was doing all the audio and video. Thank you so much, Will. I really appreciate your help. Uh, Yelena Perez, who's back here in the back uh, with the Kobeck, who's been so helpful. So thank you so very much. I think some of the folks backstage don't often get all the credit they should. Yeah. Uh, I do, but... <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so, um, also, we, uh, it's really expensive for us to go on tour, so the company that um, hosts our website... We, so we started this blog like six years ago, and we could not even spell blog at the time. We actually literally didn't know it was called a blog. We called it a website, and we later found out what a blog was. And, and so I initially started out by trying to, like, do HTML coding, and I was reading a book, and I'm like, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. And I remember one day I called Ryan up, and I'm like, forget it, man. This is dumb. I cannot do this. And he's like, well, what's wrong? And, and we figured out how, what something called WordPress was, and then uh, this company called Bluehost really helped us out, and they've been really supportive of this whole movement. And they've been paying for a lot of our, our travels on, on this tour. And uh, they are not asking for anything from us, but I just want to say thanks to them. So if you give them a round of applause, I'd really appreciate it. If, uh, if you want to see the, the film in your area, you can set up your own screening locally. You can just go to minimalismfilm.com and click on see the film, and you can host a screening in your area, or there may even be one in a local theater near you. It comes out May 24th in about 400 theaters across the United States. So if you have a local theater, you can always set one up there as well and, and sort of be the, the movie captain in, in your area. And uh, most important, I just want to thank you for being here tonight. And we'll see you after this. Come grab a hug. But if you leave here with just one message, I hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks so much. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab oh i bet that you be fine without it so tear your eyes away or tear